Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is high. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. It's Paul Hamilton. That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue. On WGR Sports Radio 550. Paul Hamilton's appearance on WGR brought to you by Relax Honda. Relax. We got this. As the Sabres fall to the Florida Panthers last night. Jeremy White, Nate Geary, Nate's in for Joe today. Good morning, Paul. Morning, guys. How are you? Good. Paul, I liked that game. I thought it was a good game, a spirited uh, affair from from each side. The Sabres ultimately come out on the wrong side of it. Um, but it got chippy. I mean, these games for the Sabres, I know they're you know struggling to even get into a playoff race, but between Sunday against Carolina... Uh, you know they had a bunch of a couple wins in a row. They had five road wins in a row, which I was I learned last night. If they had won, it would have been their longest road string, road winning streak since two thousand six. So these games have been a little better, right? Have, have the Sabers, to your eye, found a little bit of what they were looking for all year? Somewhat. I mean, they uh, it was chippy for whatever reason. This has turned into a bit of a nasty rivalry between these two teams and. It was interesting. Uh, Don Granato wanted nothing, nothing to do with it about his calming on it. But Carl, Kyle Oposo was talking about how, you know, he, he loves games like this against them and he enjoys playing them because it is, you know, that you're in for a battle. Thompson brought up the same thing. You, you, like, you know, it's going to be a battle and they love that. You know, that they think Florida kind of brings that out in them, but they both also kind of felt the Sabres fell short on that. Um, you know, Kyle Oposo was talking about putting on your big boy pants, and he goes, a lot of guys did, but he said some guys didn't. And he, you know, he said we need more of that. We need more guys, you know, regularly go toe-to-toe against them and, uh, you know, they're talking about just the fight. The fight that the Florida Panthers make you go through just to get to the net. You know, how they're so good at defending and defending hard. They're a hard, hard team to go against. And if you get to the net, you know you've earned it. And Thompson said that, you know, almost just like that. He said, you know, you, you got to get to the net. We got to do more of that. And he said, because when you do, you've earned getting there. And, you know, they both kind of thought 
I don't think we can sit here and say they didn't compete or anything like that. That wasn't it. Yeah. It, it to me, it's more of a flaw in the team. They just don't have enough guys who are hard to play against, and that's something I've been saying for how long now. I just think it's a flaw in the way the team is designed that they just don't have enough guys that can battle and and do do that and stand toe to toe with a team like the Florida Panthers, who are just going to grind you to death and they're they're, they're going to you know be in your face all all night long and they're going to make it very difficult for you to get to their goaltender. Buffalo did score two goals because they did. They got to the net. And, you know, they, they screened the goaltender. And they were there to score those two goals because of it. But, uh, you know, I, I just think if they want to be a good team, we need to see more of that. Paul, it's funny. Like, hearing Oposo say, big boy pants, not everyone, and Cousins say, we play soft. I'm, we're not going to get a window into the exit meetings. But when these exit meetings happen, it seems like the players – have the, I mean, I don't know if they call out their own teammates, but there's a consistent identifier of some guys are all in and some guys are not. And, like, you've talked about it, that, that the job right now is going to be to figure out which guys are the guys that are not hard to play against, if they don't already know that, and the Sabres will have to systematically root them out and get different ones in. Because the number of times that that sentiment has come from this team is alarming. It is. It absolutely is. Uh they're not talking about compete that much anymore because they compete on most nights now. But what took so long? You know, how many times did I sit there in the morning and say to you, you know, that's inexcusable. That you, that you can control. Whether you're a good team, bad team, they're better than you, they're not. You can control your compete. To me, that's an individual thing. And in, in your down deep in your gut, you know, are you willing to go to compete on a regular basis? And it was a regular basis where they didn't. And that really, really bothered me to hear that all the time. And that that's probably one of the reasons why they're playing better and have a better record since the first, because that doesn't rear its ugly head as much anymore. You know, they have figured out that if they're going to win, they have to compete. And for the most part, they do it. Um, you know, they, they, they had some up and ups and downs in the game. And it was interesting listening to a post too about the second period where they didn't even get out of their end. I mean, it was 19 shots by Florida and Lucan and Stant stood on his head. And, you know, they went into the period down 2-1 to one and they left the period down 2-1. And that's, he goes, sometimes against a really, really good team, and that's the number one team in the NHL right now, um, he goes, sometimes they're going to carry the play a little bit. They did. And he goes, that's okay because we recovered from it. You know, he goes, Lukanen was great and we got out of it. And then we came into the third pair, which they did until the five on three happened. And, you know, they were, they were back playing really well again, you know, and then he, now you got a game on your hand because your goaltender stood up for you. And was phenomenal in the second period. Held you in until you got your game back, and uh, you know, the, and then the five on three happened. So, and that made the score from uh, two to one to three to one, and that basically lost the game for him. So, um, you know, I, I, compete really isn't a big issue, but to me, it still is an issue from the point that it took over half a season to get to a point where they compete on most nights. Paul, on the five-on-three, let's start with a penalty to Benson. Clearly, Don Granato was upset because 
Benson, now, does he have a knack of getting a penalty called on him that should be on somebody else? He might have been interfered with on the way. Um, but it, it almost feels, feels like Benson's not getting calls that he maybe deserves. Yeah, it's it's really weird. But uh, to me, Don Granato picked the wrong penalty. That was a trip. I mean, uh, I'm I'm sorry. It just was. The, the, the earlier penalty on Benson, the one in the beginning of the first period, holding. I, I looked at that four times. I didn't even see a gesture for holding. Um, and that's the type of thing you're talking about. It's just like these phantom penalties that he winds up with. I remember there was one penalty. He was around the net with three different guys mauling him, and he came out with the penalty. And, I, and I'm still scratching my head. Go, what? When? When? Where? What, what, what are we looking at here? And, you know, I just I, I don't understand what. But that, to me, the, the penalty that he went berserk on was actually a penalty. Uh, the Greenway thing he didn't like either. He brought up the Greenway one where Greenway got the double minor. I know uh, Cousins, Nick Cousins, flopped, but he, it was a roughing penalty. Greenway did turn around and punch him, and I understand he embellished it. I mean, he made it look like he got hit by a heavyweight, a heavyweight <laughs> champion of the world, and uh, he was never going to get up again. I, I, I get the embellishment part of it, and maybe if you want to, but you know, to say that Greenway didn't deserve a penalty or whatever. Now, embellishment used to be a penalty. You don't really see it much anymore. But um, you know, if you want to say Cousins deserved an embellishment penalty, I'm 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 on board. Uh, but uh, and then he talked about you know Krebs getting punched in the head and there was nothing there, and then a second guy came in the same scrum and knocked his helmet off of him and there was nothing there, and he just said there just comes a point where you just got to stand up for it and and stand up for your players, and um, I, I don't know I'll get into this. I, to me, it's a twofold. Th- I get the frustration. I, the the refereeing in the National Hockey League is just horrendous. Look at what happened to Toronto. Their coach got ejected. Um, it's just horrendous. And I, I, I get it. I understand his frustration. That, But to me, here's the twofold thought. If you're not in the playoffs anymore and you're out, by all means, lose your mind. Go crazy. It doesn't matter. If you feel that you're basically are out of it, you're out of the race, and you don't think you, there's any way you can you can get back into it, by all means, lose your mind. I mean, you do. I get it. I totally get it. But if you think you still have any shot at all, I mean, that th- three-game winning streak that could have maybe been a four, and then can you get it to ten, you know, type of a thing, if you think you still have any chance at all, a mathematical chance, that was not a good move by the head coach. It was a dumb move. He he, he lost the game for him. I mean, plain and simple, Don Granato lost the game for them. It's a two-to-one game. They, they were getting their game back. They, they got a penalty. Even if you think you got totally, I mean, you got to hold your cool there because you can't. Give the Florida Panthers a five-on-three. You just can't, and uh, for a two-minute five-on-three, because they are they are the best team in the National Hockey League, and they are going to make you pay for it. They did. They took a three-to-one lead because of it. 
and the game-winning goals on Don Granado, and that loss is on Don Granado. One other thing about coaching, Paul, the last you know minute, two minutes, three minutes, trying to get Lukanen out of the net, I mean, the Sabres seemed like they had multiple opportunities, and when Lukanen goes to the bench and then skates back into the net just because the puck is in their own end, it just seems to me like their their late game scenarios are much too conservative to give up that empty netter. They had opportunities to pull him and try and get the extra skater on. They wasted a, a good minute or two, and then even the last opportunity, Cousins trying to carry it in the zone. It just seems like in terms of parts of their game that's missing, that's a big part that's missing. He used to just were pulling him at this time, and they were getting scored on almost every single time. And I, being there, I could see how things were developing. There really wasn't a huge opportunity. Almost any opportunity he would have thought to pull that goaltender, Florida was going to get control of the puck almost immediately, and you could see it coming. Um, there was one time Lukanen was leaving and went back. I mean, he because he, he, could, he could see what I'm looking at, that, uh-oh, we don't have, we don't even have close control of the puck here, and this this is coming back at us, and it did. I mean they they were they would have had the empty net goal had he not gotten back in. Um, so in this particular case, there now I, I think there becomes a time where you just got to take the chance and pull them. Uh, but but I mean when when you know you know coaches now they pull goalies with three minutes left or two and a half. It, to me, it would have been dumb to, to pull him in, in almost any situation the way Florida played because Florida was coming up with the puck almost immediately, and it was just you would have had your goalie out for five seconds and it would have been in your net. Um, but yeah, it does. You're right. It got to a point like it's a, if it's a minute and a half left, you got to get him out, and that's when okay, even if it's looking like you're not going to keep control of the puck or whatever, you got to hope that maybe you do. And you got to get him out, and that's where that's where I would have disagreed uh, with with him and what in what they're trying to do there. Um, it just gets to a point where you got to get him out, unless unless Florida's standing there with the puck. But if you got, as you said, if you got Cousins and maybe he's getting into traffic and it's not looking good, uh, there's three Florida Panthers there uh, ready to take it from him. Sometimes at that point, you just got to say, well, you hope Dylan Cousins gets the puck by them and gets it into the zone. Paul Hamilton joining us on the Western Hotline as we talk about last night's Sabres game against the Panthers. They're on their Florida trip. They go to Tampa coming up for a game tomorrow and then home for Vegas. The news on the Golden Knights for the weekend is Jack Eichel has returned to skating, so something to keep an eye on for Saturday. Uh, Paul, as we look forward to the, the Tampa game here, you know, it's funny, like, they're just going to ride Lucan in the whole way, and they're getting a really good look at what he can do if given a big load of load management. It's a big thing in sports. And here's Lucan and just playing every night. And my favorite question to ask: We got Marty coming up. I'm going to ask him when is this all real? He he was great again. I mean, we are on the longest stretch of a Sabres goalie being this good since I don't know when. I mean, Levi had seven games last year. Prior to that. This is the most optimistic I think a lot of Sabres fans might be about a young goalie ready to, to, to be the guy. Yeah, I think you can take it right back to Ryan Miller if you want to. Um, yeah, I mean, even Levi wasn't this good last year when he went on that little bit of a run when he showed up. So, yeah, it seems like Lukanen's for real, and that's why when we're talking contract here, I don't know what to say. I 
I mean, it hasn't. It's pretty much been a full year. I thought he's playing. He wasn't playing quite this well, but before he got sick, I thought he was doing pretty good. I mean, because now you can, you don't have to stay say since January first anymore, because he's now we're going into that game. He's fifth in the league in goals against for the year, not just since January first for the year. You know, so. You know, his numbers are pretty solid in, in many categories for the season. He he just had that blip when he got back from sickness. It was a very, very bad illness he had. He didn't play well for, I don't know, what do you want to say, a week, maybe a week and a half, whatever it was, and then he got it back. And that, But that was a test to me, too, because he had been playing well before. He got sick and it wasn't going well. Okay. You know, last year, remember, he was goalie of the month, rookie of the month. And then he didn't go so well, and he couldn't get it back. For a game now and then he would, but he couldn't get it back. He got it back this time, and and it was even better, you know, when he did it. So, um, yeah, I think they, I think we can say safely say now that they have a number one goaltender on their hands. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline. Paul, before we let you go, want to get your thoughts, your memories, I guess, of uh, the coach Chuck Dickerson. We learned. Overnight that uh, he passed away, the, the obituary says there's going to be you know services coming up, and he had a short illness and passed away at the age of 86. I remember, Coach, I've been here long enough to have been here when he was sitting in this chair, and I know, of course, you would have known him better than I would, um, I'm quite sure. He was, he was something, and, and away from the radio waves, I learned so much football <laughs> sitting in his office. Because, you know, he would talk, you know, of course what he did on the air was a little bit of showmanship and not a little bit, it was a lot of it. And, but, you know, I, we didn't have to, you know, it wasn't a showmanship type of a atmosphere sitting. He would sit down and it was almost like a chalkboard. Yeah. All right. You know, on this play, this is what a player is trying to do here. This is what this player should have done. And you're, you're, you're too focused over here. And what you're talking about, this is where you need to be focused on this play. And I just learned so much football from him, you know, that, that you know, it was just, it was just so, so much fun to, to I, I love sessions like that where you're with a coach and they can go over things. And he loved that too, you know, sit there and, and to teach football like that to you. And he would teach that to listeners too when, I mean, there was a lot of bravado and all all that. Is he was a showman, and you know, it's called a show, and that's why it's called the the coach, and it's called a show because he certainly was a showman, and he he knew how to get listeners, and and he would always say, he goes, I don't care if they like me or not, as long as they're tuning in. He goes, if they're tuning in because they hate me and they want to scream at their radios, great. Guess what? They tuned in, and that's the way he looked at it, and. He had phenomenal ratings and in that time slot, and people did listen. Whether they liked him or they didn't, they listened and they wanted to know what he had to say. Yeah. Thank you, Paul. Take care. Paul Hamilton on the Western Hotline uh, as we you know, chat about last night's Sabres game and uh, Chuck Dickerson. You know, as he says that, I can remember when I started here, I was thinking of a good comparison on the way in, Nate. That, you know, in football, there's the head coach and the offensive coordinator and then the quality control mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. When I started here, 
coach was like the head coach of the station. He was the biggest star. I mean, he's on the afternoons. And I was the grad assistant, right? Like the, what's the lowest position on a football coaching staff? Right? I was the guy over there cutting sound for the afternoon show and just kind of learning about radio. And exactly what Paul said, there were, there were multiple times where I'd be working post-game. And my job on post-game was to take in the sound from the podium and cut it up so that sound bites are ready for the sports updates and sound bites are ready for, you know, for Coach, for Chuck. And if I came in early and sat in the control room with whoever was here watching the game. The first time I did that, I was in a little bit early and watching, and, and as he's watching the game and doing exactly what Paul says, like breaking it down. This was before you could watch all 22 on NFL.com to get a coach's insight watching a game live. You know, now you watch the Manning cast and you see Peyton Manning break down a play in real time, like, oh, they were looking for this, they're trying to do blah, 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 blah. Tony Romo became a sensation because he did that, and... and I think what we've all learned is that there's a good chunk of the football fan base that wants that, that loves that. Just teach me all the time. Show me the All-22 breakdowns. Give me what they're looking for. And with Coach, I came in one time early and noticed, like, oh, man, if you, if you come in early, I'm going to get that. And then I would just start coming in earlier and earlier because I was working the postgame shift anyway and to kind of get his sense of that. The, the, the coaching side of football, watching the game live. It was super, it was really cool. It was really an eye opening experience. Yeah, it's definitely a little bit before my time. So I wouldn't have <clears throat> really been listening. At, I mean, how, how long are we talking here? 15? Oh, longer. I mean, he, he was, he, I mean, Shope will have timelines better. I mean, because Shope jumped in with him in the afternoon and was Shope and the coach. And for me, this is, I remember listening to him. I'm at, I'm at college in Syracuse listening to this station during Sabres playoff runs, like the 99 Cup Finals, I'm listening to this station. And I learned of him then. And then he's here through, I don't even know what year. I'll ask around the building. But those years that I'm talking about, that's 2000. Well, here's a great question. What year was Chad Morton's kick return in overtime against the Bills? 2001? Bledsoe's first game. So it's 2000. 2001, 2002, 2000. No, I graduated in 01. Yeah, I'm in fourth grade at this time. Yeah, I'm three years old. Yeah, so not getting a lot of. I don't think I was getting a ton of. W, I mean, WGR would have been on in my dad's car on the way to football. Yeah, it's it's 2002. Yeah, we, 2002 week one, the Chad Morton game. Yeah, that was uh, Bledsoe's debut, and Chad Morton had two kick returns for touchdowns. Including the overtime kickoff return for a touchdown. It was, you know, it was disappointing. Has any team in NFL history ever lost two games in overtime on kick returns to another team? Because the Bills have done that twice. That's crazy. One on a punt return this year, week, yep. week one. And in 2002, week one, kick return in overtime. Yeah, wow. Without looking it up, I'm going to say that's never happened before. That one team has two overtime special team losses in the opener. Yeah, I mean that's an obscure stat. There's the no same, way. The There's no team. way. Yeah. Anyway, eight oh three oh five fifty. If you want to join us, one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. Marty Baron, I want to ask about Lukanen. Do the Sabers have one? Here's Paul bringing out images of you know Ryan Miller. Hmm? What do they have here in UPL? He's been great. 
Jeremy and Nate, Nate's in for Joe today. It's- Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WGR. Trailing on the play. Panthers able to keep it in. Here's Rodriguez cutting to the net. Drags it and a great save by Lukanen over at the far post. One of the moments of the game, brought to you by Firth Jewelers for the moments in life. Go forth to Firth. We go to the Western Hotline. I want to talk about UPL. The Sabres lose, but UPL has been very, very good and has been good for quite some time here as, uh, you know, he's playing every night, pretty much every game. So joining us on the Western Hotline is former Sabres goaltender Marty Baran. Oop, did I put him on? Did I do something wrong? My mouse stopped working to try and punch up the phone. We'll get Marty right back. I think I might have accidentally hung up on Marty. You hung up on Marty Brown? I think so. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, let's try this one. Hey, Marty. He's there. I did it. Ah, uh, now I'm there. Okay. I heard the beep, but then I didn't hear anything else. So I'm like, oh, maybe wrong button. Yeah. It's my first day. You know, I've, <laughs> I've, I'm, I'm new here. <laughs> So Marty, I think that I I, th- I think I keep asking everybody this question because I think it's the most interesting question about the Sabers right now, which is how real is Lukanen? How when can you count on this? You know, goalies, Marty, they go up and down, and when a guy finds his game, that that's obviously really valuable to kind of sit in that spot. So, how, how real is what you're seeing from UPL? Well, I mean, I think uh, it's not a small sample anymore. It's a larger sample over, two, you know, two months or, you know, just a little over two months of fantastic play. And I, I have to also think that the first month and a half, two months of the season, uh, you can chalk it up to, okay, it's a new season, uh, three goalies, what's happening? Are you getting your reps in practice? Are you getting your playing time? Um, and so maybe it wasn't the perfect fit. I've been a part of three goalie systems and, and did not like them at all. And it's not so much just because of practice. It's more like, when are you getting your games rep, right? When are you getting your rhythm to say, I'm playing, even if you're the backup, I'm playing one game a week, or, you know, I'm playing every four or five games, or you're the starter. You're playing three, four games in a row, and then you're taking a break. And I think right now UPL is, is finding that rhythm. Uh, but I, I was, you know, I was talking to my son last night. He was watching the game, and he says, do you think that you know UPL is definitely the clear-cut number one next year? I said, well, okay, it's still a long way there, but in my opinion, what we what the Sabers may have next year is a really good situation with UPL and potentially Levi, because Levi is getting his is learning in in Rochester right now, and I would anticipate he's gonna maybe get called up a couple of times from now until the, the end of the season, play some games. You know, hopefully playoffs in Rochester and then next year, okay, let's try that again. But now you try that again with two goalies and not three goalies and you don't make it messy. I think that's where I'm at with Lucan and Levi is I think you're, you're starting to, to grow into a really good situation 
if it continues to play out that way. I don't want Lee, I don't need Lukanen to be the best goalie in the league, number wise. Um, but if you're top ten and both of your goalies are, you know, top twenty, like you're in a good place. Marty, what about Lukanen has changed that you can see in terms of the way that he plays? The whether it's confidence, comfort, technique. What's different? Well, even from the start of the season to uh, to now, there's a change in his game. But mostly, what we see is he's not chasing as much as he was last season or even earlier in the year. How many times did we see Lukanen? You know, there would be a goal. And it's a wide-open person back door, and he's sliding right when the pass is going left, and then it's a tapping in the net. And you're thinking, wow, that's a pretty nice goal. But at the same time, you're like, okay, what can the goalie do on that situation? And I feel like he was biting on maybe a, a fake pass shot or a fake shot pass too early um, if there was a, a player coming in. Uh, with speed down the wing, he was very aggressive, often getting caught outside of his net. So he's reeled it in a little bit. Um, I'm, you know, I'm not saying he has to play, uh, you know, super deep in his crease, but he's got great size. He's got good reaction. Uh, you know, he's got good quickness. So why not just retract in the crease a little bit more and feel try to feel confident that way and most goalies that are making transitions in the nhl it's about positioning it's about reads um i i know this you know goalie you guys are going to say well it's, he's not one of the best in the league but samuel montambo in montreal you know acknowledged this year that and last year too that hey i made a decision to play a little deeper and it feels better i'm not chasing as much i feel like i'm i'm in on more saves and I remember when he said that, I'm thinking, I wonder how many goalies that would benefit, right? And I think it's benefited UPL this year a lot, just, you know, being more in the crease and not chasing the game as much. Marty, I want to ask you, because we were talking about this this morning, Jeremy and I, about goaltenders development process and you know you think about UPL and the prospect he was in the world juniors and, and and kind of the hype that was around him and then he gets to the AHL and it's not that there were struggles necessarily but the numbers weren't really there and it was a consistent thing with him and then getting up to the NHL and last year when Devin Levi comes in for like essentially the most important playoff stretch of the year you know they felt or at least it looked like they felt they couldn't trust him in those situations they were going with a rookie goaltender where like, how do you determine what changes in a goaltender's development? Of course, they're not linear, but to me, it it's it seems very dramatic the shift we've seen from from UPL and rather quickly. Yeah, and and a couple of years ago, I was watching UPL and I'm thinking, I don't know if he'll make a, you know a goalie in the NHL. Maybe he'll be a, a backup. Maybe he'll be like a journeyman. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, in the NHL, you get 64, or well, technically you have 64 goalies, but you know they've played over 90 goalies this year. But I mean, you make it to that level, you're really, really good. But look at UPL after juniors. You know, he went through uh, surgery. He went through playing in Cincinnati in the ECHL. He went through the AHL, and there was a COVID-shortened season. There was a COVID year that was really weird for him. I mean, there was a lot of development time that was not had for him because of the, uh, you know, the circumstances. 
And there's a lot of other goalies that are in the same boat that are just getting to the NHL this year and are either getting it or they're not. Like I think of Caden Primo in Montreal is the same thing, about the same age, same development time, and this year it's worked. And I think it took time. Charlie Lindgren in uh, in Washington, I mean, yeah, he didn't have a great one yesterday, but he's been fantastic for them this season, and it was the same thing. Like the development time got – really really stopped because of the challenges that you know a lot of people had to deal with with the pandemic and the the lack of practice the lack of of games and and all of that so UPL was uh, also a victim of that and now he's coming out on the other side of it Marty Baron on uh, UPL Sabres lost last night to Florida Marty we won't keep you that long thanks very much and uh, we'll be watching this stretch oh, run that's with good. you I'm just uh, driving the kids to school right now before I head over to Tampa because uh, we have a road crew party tonight in Tampa, and Duffer and I are doing the game actually on location tomorrow night before coming back uh, Thursday after the game. So um, I'm kind of just uh, doing my things this morning and you know, before I head over. Very good. Off to Tampa for the road crew party. Thanks, Marty. Okay, have a good one. Marty Baron joining us on the uh, Western Hotline as we... Chat about last night's Sabres game. NHL standings brought to you by Native Pride and Tall Chief Cigars. Stand tall with Native Pride. The Sabres don't pick up any points last night. Uh, Detroit now sitting in the first wild card spot. Second's held by Tampa, who also lost. Tampa's got 69 points in 61 games. Um, the Devils are in striking distance. The Capitals might be. The Penguins, they won last night. They got two points. Anyway, the Sabres sit back uh, 11 points out of the playoffs. Two two games in hand on that, 11, uh, that that spot, though. Can you believe that Pittsburgh will really trade Jake Ensel? Sure. Why? Well, I don't know why Pittsburgh... Well, Pittsburgh is a team that has been old for years. Yeah. And at some point, they're going to have to not be... Old. Old. And... I, I, super old, and they just went out and got Carlson, who's old, old, good still probably, but they're just really old. And like Gensel's not twenty three anymore. I mean, he's twenty nine years old, but he kind of is like their youngest good player. Yeah, and to be the idea of him them trading him at the deadline because he's a UFA and you don't want to pay him feels kind of crazy pills to me. Well, the moment that Crosby and Malkin are done. It's going to be oh, they're going to go into a yeah Patriots like it's 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 going to be a pretty intense yeah you know restore rebuild resign I I don't know it was I don't really know where they are they weren't good last year they aren't good this year eight oh three oh five fifty stat of the day for you speaking of somebody that's done a pretty good job I want to throw a shout out and a congratulations to all the Bonnies fans out there Mark Schmidt. Got to 300 wins. St. Bonaventure coach Mark Schmidt, 300th win uh, with a win last night. So it's your stat of the day. It's the Bonnie song. All right. Unfurl the brown and white. Something like that. Stat of the day. The stat of the day. And the 300 wins. Meanwhile, we'll get to some other stuff. Stat of the Day is uh, brought to you by 
Syndicate Gaming in Irving, home of the biggest bingo payouts and slot machines with thousands won daily. Sal from Indianapolis coming up at the top of the hour, 8 o'clock. Don Granado, he was rescheduled from yesterday to uh, next hour, so we'll get to that as well. Lots to get to. You can give us a call, 803-0550 on WGR. Contest time. Beat caller 5 to 2214 WGR to win a pair of tickets to see Jelly Roll at KeyBank Center October 6th. Tickets go on sale Friday, March 1st at 10 a.m. at Ticketmaster.com. Tickets courtesy of Live Nation. That's Jelly Roll. Call 2214 WGR. Nate Geary is in for Joe today. My name is Jeremy White, Josh Schmidt producing. Franchise tag on T. Higgins. Franchise tag on Legereus Sneed. No running backs to be franchised. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Shocked. Question for you. Mm-hmm. Hand up here. Is Saquon Barkley going to get paid? Yeah. The year after the whole thing was like, yep. he's going to get a big contract. Probably from Houston, it seems like, right? Why are... Wh- why are they going to do that? They're not paying their quarterback. That's true. They do have a ton of, a ton of space. We had a caller yesterday call the show and talk about Houston as a model and how the Bills, you know, the Bills are in cap trouble and look at Houston, they're not in cap trouble and sometimes it goes without saying, but cap space isn't an accomplishment. No. Having cap space is often let's look at teams with the most cap space right now. And here's the question I would ask you if you're thinking about like wow, the Bills are really in trouble. I'd love to have cap space like the Titans mm. or the Bears. Mm. The top five right now in cap space are the Titans, Bears, Patriots, Commanders, and Colts. Would anybody out there want to trade the last four years with them? <laughs> no. Like You don't have cap space because you've been good. Here are the teams with the least amount of cap space. It's Bills. Saints, Dolphins, Chargers, Broncos, Cowboys, Browns, Niners. Like the bad teams are the ones that are bad without cap space. Yeah. But if you don't have cap space and you've been good, it's because you've been paying good players. You know who's had the most cap space for like the past decade? The Browns. They carry over tens of millions of dollars a year in cap space. Isn't part of having cap space how you use it? Yeah. Cap space for the sake of cap space kind of doesn't really matter i mean teams that are spending money are spending money because they typically are spending money on good players but a team like the bears with all that cap space maybe they get caleb williams and then are what are they they're going to spend a lot of money on guys in free agency they're going to have the number one paid interior defensive lineman. They're going to have number five edge player. They're paying Tremaine Edmonds $18 million a year. And they're going to pay maybe a corner a whole bunch of money and some offensive line a whole bunch of money. And then they won't have cap space. And then they won't have cap space. It's the number one reason they should probably move on from Justin Fields and reset their quarterback thing. I mean, Fields, if he's going to be their their quarterback, would be starting and get 
decent money soon, whereas Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever is going to be an awesome deal if they're good. Did, did you did you hear what Ryan Pace said yesterday? The combine. He said that they if they were going to trade Justin Fields, they'd make sure they would do right by Justin Fields, suggesting that they were that they would trade him someplace that he'd be okay with, and that they would do it before free agency. Seems awfully specific. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like that should happen. Seems like if you're talking about how you would trade someone, it sort of seems like maybe you're going to trade someone. Yeah. You've thought about it. You've th- you've figured out a scenario, and you're ready to share it with the media. 803-0550. We'll get Sal on a couple of these things as he's live from Indianapolis. He'll join us coming up from Indy, our uh, daily check-in with Sal from the NFL Combine, which rolls through today. Yesterday, we heard from Brandon Bean. We'll get his recap of what Bean had to say. He was on with local media. He was on One Bills Live. So uh, what we learned from the Bills GM yesterday was Sal Capaccio next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.